Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Wrapping up our best of week here on the Steve Jones Show, Sean Carey from the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on the strip routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Friday edition of the show always brought to you by Brewers Outlet, the beverage supermarket, Reagan Street, Sunbury. You've got to stay hydrated this weekend. Come on. Locked into the heat wave through Sunday. So you get to Brewers Outlet for the water, soda, and other beverages, including beer specials. Extra gold 30 packs, twelve ninety seven through Tuesday at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. And check them out on Facebook, too. Also, check out our Steve Jones Show podcast. Maybe you got some vacation coming up as Steve wraps up his vacay. I'm going to catch up on previous shows. Get to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play. Search Steve Jones Show. You can also go to stevejonesshow.com, the podcast archive page. Play-by-play call of the day. We go to Yankees Tampa Bay last night and the legendary John Sterling. Swung on there is the fly ball to deep right. It is high, it is far, it is gone! Gio Urshela ties the game. A two-run home run to right center. He continues to hit with men on base. Gio Urshela, the most happy fella. Oh, he's the most happy fella. He homers to right, and the Yankees have tied the game at two. Yankees did go on to defeat Tampa Bay last night, but in the process, Yankees manager Aaron Boone has received a one-game suspension. Tirade last night on the home plate up. Uh, he was ejected from the game, prompting him to come out of the dugout to confront the official. I heard the home plate umpire in Yankees Tampa Bay last night it was only his fifth game behind home plate in the majors. And Boone repeatedly referred to his players as quote-unquote savages in the box, told the home plate umpire to tighten this up right now in reference to the strike zone calls. Also, Boone received an undisclosed fine for his inappropriate actions, including contact with the home plate ump. So the uh, suspension will be served tonight when the Yankees go into interleague play as they host the Colorado Rockies. Also tonight, Major League Baseball, you've got Washington and Atlanta. Last night, Washington hitting double digits, 13-4. They defeated the Braves. First game of that four-game weekend set, so Phillies fans will keep a close eye on that. We will have the showdown, Pennsylvania showdown, between the Phillies and Pirates from PNC Park in Pittsburgh. On deck will be at 6.30 tonight and first pitch at 7.05. Jake Arrieta on the mound tonight for the Phillies. There is a chance we will see a new Phillies pitcher on Sunday taking Vince Velasquez's spot in the starting rotation as the Phillies earlier today agreeing to a major league contract with former Texas Ranger left-hander Drew Smiley. So we'll learn more about that. Acquisition during On Deck tonight, 6.30, and first pitch 7.05 here on 1070 AM WKOK. Now, earlier today, Big Ten Football Media Days wrapped up in Chicago. Penn State head football coach James Franklin did speak this morning 
We'll play back some of that audio on Monday for you. Also earlier today, coordinator of officials Bill Carrillo spoke. Uh, got into targeting and other things that officials are going to be honing in on this season. And we hope to have some of that audio, too, on Monday's show when Steve returns. But with head coach James Franklin this hour, we're going to head back to February and the press conference he did in the media room at Beaver Stadium during National Letter of Intent Day. James, with the number of transfers that you have, is that a cause for concern or more a sign of the times? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, and I think the point that you made at the end um, is is how we're looking at it. Um, it's changed. College athletics has changed. College football has changed. Uh, there's been a lot of rule changes in the last five years that have, that have impacted college football. You got the graduate transfer um, that started a few years ago, and that was to allow guys that had graduated with their undergraduate degree to go get a master's degree at another school um, that that offered that graduate degree. Well, that that's not how the graduate uh, transfer played out. That's that's what it essentially was supposed to be. Um, it, it's it's morphed into something that it was not intended to be. Um, we allowed agents to talk to to players from the time they're a freshman now until the time they're a senior. That's a rule change. You weren't able to talk to agents until until their eligibility was up. And I know there was a lot of talk within the NCAA and the membership institutions about deregulation a few years ago, um, especially the rules that they didn't really feel like were enforceable. I don't know if that, that makes a whole lot of sense, though, because there's still a lot of people that aren't going to do it because you're not supposed to. Um, and that, that's concerning. Um, the transfer rule, I think, is, was magnified um, this year, obviously, with the changes with the transfer portal and the perception of guys um, being able to transfer and get eligibility right away. Uh, and there's so many things to go with that. Our, our situation's a little bit different than most because uh, we have such a large number of guys that graduate early, and most of our guys have already graduated. So our, our situation's a little bit different. And for me, ultimately, uh, I want our guys to be able to chase their dreams and be happy and be successful, and we're unbelievably supportive of that. For me, my concern isn't really a, a, about Penn State. I, I'm worried about college football. I'm worried about what we're teaching uh, young people. Um, I just, I think one of the greatest things that I think that college football and college athletics teaches, it's a tremendous complementary um, aspect to what they're learning in the classroom. Um, you know, the mental toughness, the physical toughness, how to come, how to overcome adversity, those types of things. And I worry that we're creating a situation where it's path of least resistance. And in my life, I don't know if that's ever been the right choice or the right path. So, so I'm concerned. Um, I really am. Um, but what I've tried to do is I've tried to look at it a little bit like basketball. Basketball went through this a few years ago. And um, there's some specific programs that I've, that I've thought of and I've studied, but I, I won't get into the specific programs. But um, I look at basketball, and some programs struggled with this, the new basketball rules, the one and done, and they struggled with and they fought it for a while. 
and those programs struggled. They didn't evolve, they did not grow, they did not adapt to the new environment. Um, and then over time, some of those programs decided they were going to embrace the new model and grow and move with it. And that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, I, I get it. It can be frustrating. It can be confusing. Um, I get all those types of things. Um, but we're going to embrace the new model. Uh, we're going to learn to work within it. Um, and... Um, you know, it's 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 really the sign of the times um, in in college athletics. I I, I looked last week. Um, I think at that time there was 1,789 guys in the transfer portal. Um, I worry that all those guys are going to find the right spot. Um, so I I just worry. I worry who's advising. I worry about where the information is coming from. Um, I worry that there's a shift right now. Um, to the emphasis being on the NFL and not on college athletics, which is, you know, to me, education first um, is how I got into this industry. Um, it, and don't get me wrong, the NFL is a part of it as well, but, but to me the emphasis should be on getting education first. And then if the NFL thing happens for you, awesome. And we're going to work very hard at helping you achieve that goal as well. But I worry about the shift. I worry about the mentality a little bit right now. I see players constantly posting, guys commit, and they say, I'm going to be at school X for three to five years. I mean, literally, it's, that's the first thing. They're already thinking about three years. Um, and I'm just, I'm just a big believer um, that this model has worked for a very long time. And it's not perfect. It really isn't. And I know it's a long answer. I probably should stop talking. But um, I, I'm concerned. And this model has worked for a long time. It is not perfect. But I think about so many people that I know, whether it was small school football, whether it was major college football, that this worked for. Uh, created opportunities for guys to, to get a great education, to learn mental toughness, to learn physical toughness, to, to take advantage of strength coaches and trainers and doctors and coaches and administration and off-the-field player development programs. There's so much good that comes from this. And I just worry that the direction this is going, um, that at some point the model's going to break. Um, and I'm concerned about that. So... Um, you know, I want what's best for the players. I want what's best for, for colleges and universities. I want what's best for, for our game. But I think, you know, we're at a challenging time right now. There, there's no doubt about it. But I know at Penn State, we're going to embrace the new model. We're going to grow. We're going to evolve. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to find a way to be successful in it. Joe Giuliano, Phil Deffin Choir. Uh, hi, James. How are you? Good, Joe. Um, I wanted, uh, getting back to that, uh, the transfer issue. Um, what is what is your level of concern losing that kind of depth off off of your roster? And would you consider bringing in uh, graduate transfers to fill some of those spots? Yeah, I think that's what's what's happening all over the country. Is you're losing you're losing graduate transfers, you're losing guys to the portal, and you're going to have to approach and 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 take transfers from other schools. Um, so that's that's the situation that that. A lot of programs the country are in right now, so um, yeah, I think you're you're going to have to look at it from both perspectives. Hey, James, how you doing? Good, Mark. You got a haircut? Well, yeah, I did. Nice. Thank you. Hey, um, how how are you handling the situation with these kids who are transferring but are still in school? Are they still 
members of the team? Are they working out with guys? What? It seems like that would be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and that, that's all the things that go go along with this that are tricky. And the NCAA's left it a little bit gray, so each school can kind of handle it how they want to. Um, I also think this is something that at the beginning of the year, the compliance directors across the country went up and said, here's, here's this new rule, and then kind of left it at that and didn't get into great detail. And same thing with coaches, and each school's handling it different. So you may have a policy that you're going to cut the scholarship at the end of the semester and that they're moving out of the locker room and those types of things, but then another school's treating it differently. And then the, the players will come and say, well, this school's doing it this way, and another school's doing it different. So it's challenging. Um, I think obviously there's going to come a point this year, because it's, it's new to everybody, that it's kind of a work in progress and it's kind of fluid. But I do think there's going to come a point where we're going to have to sit down and say, this is how we're handling it moving forward. It's not new anymore. There's no gray area, and this is how we're going to have to do it. That takes what's in the player's best interest into account, but also gives you a chance to manage your own roster and understand how, how we're going to handle it here at Penn State. James, where do you see Daquan Hardy fitting in on your roster at, at this point, and what led to him getting an offer so late in the process? Okay, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it. I think I kind of already answered the, the second part of the question, but, I, but I'll go through it again. But the first part is we recruited him as a corner uh, and possible athlete. We know he can be a, a wide receiver as well. There's a lot of conversations about that. We know he can be a return man. We know he can be a special teams guy. Um, but it really came down to taking Daquan to, to what I had mentioned earlier is uh, we, had re- we had documented times from our camp from two years ago on him that ran 4-4. And then it was evaluating his senior tape. He had a dominant senior year. I want to say over 25 touchdowns. I want to say over 10 interceptions. I want to say five touchdowns in the state championship game. Um, And I think what happens sometimes with coaches, you get so caught up in the eyeball test and measurements. You know, Daquan's not a big, imposing guy at this point of, of his career. But if you put the tape on and watch his production, he had as good of a senior year as anybody in the country. That combined with the fact that we had documented times on him and knew he ran 4-4, that we said, hey, we got a kid in our state who's a unbelievably productive football player and is a winner, um, that this is the type of guy that, that you know really this is what it's supposed to be about. You're going to have guys that you get involved with early on and get them on board. There's guys going to be in the middle, and there's guys going to be late. I think you know Christian Campbell, I think you guys remember Christian Campbell and Torrance Brown were two guys that we offered before uh, the night before you know signing day, and both had really good careers here. Uh, you know, one one is you know is bouncing around the NFL right now, and and one had a great career for us before it was cut short with some injuries. So um, you know, there's a lot of paths of how you get you know to a certain place. Um, that's that's in recruiting. That's that's you know in relationships. That's with jobs. You know, I remember I remember uh, you know you know interviewing for my first head coaching position, and um, you know that thing took a lot of turns, but it, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. You know, so you know that that's life. Hey, James. Um, you guys, since we last talked, obviously parted ways with David Corley. How difficult for, was it for you to come to that decision and also going along that with Coach Parker coming in? What do you think are some of his kind of best attributes, and how did you identify uh, him? Yeah, you know, I am um, 
I think you guys know I'm I'm a relationship driven guy. Um, so whether that's with the players, or that's with the staff, or whether that's with my family. Those things are really, really challenging for me. I'd love to go to my whole whole career with never doing that. Um, you know, I've done it now in nine years. I've I've done it twice, um, and still struggle with that today because um, I understand the impact that it has. I look at the whole picture of it, um, but I also have a responsibility to the other coaches and staff members in my program. And I also have responsibility to our players, and I also have a responsibility to the lettermen and the fans and those type of things. So you got to balance. You got to balance that. Um, but it is not an easy decision, um, and and I never make these decisions on an island as well. Um, and um, you know, it it still it still bothers me. You know, it it really does. Um, but again, I, I gotta I gotta have loyalty to. A larger group as well. Um, in terms of, of Coach Parker, um, you know, guy that I've been tracking for a long time. You know, obviously, it, you know, was the interim head coach. Um, you know, that we got a chance to kind of watch and see uh, up close. A um, lot of people that I trust and respect, you know, in the industry, uh, spoke highly of him. Obviously, having guys on my staff that have worked with him before, um, and, and Jay Juan Sider, um, that carries a lot of weight for me as well. Um, and then he, he crushed the interview. You know, he crushed the interview. Um, so, you know, uh, feel really good about what we've done, feel really good about where we're going, um, and uh, got a tremendous opportunity to, to make a significant impact. James, congrats on the class. 2020, I know uh, you want to maybe take a break, but uh, you can't really do that in recruiting. Uh, the region, according to people in my industry, is pretty stacked next year. Just what do you see from Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania next year? Is it uh, comparable to recent years? Is it a little bit better? Uh, people think it's going to be one of the better you know, classes in the region. Yeah, I think that that's a good point because you, you look at recruiting class rankings and you look at you know, where the schools are that typically recruit at the highest level and how many players they have within their own state, how many players they have within their own region, that factors in. And over the last couple of years, we've had some challenges there. So being able to adapt and grow, um, I, I think, is really important. But I do think the region is, is, is really strong. Um, is and that, that's that's important. You know, it really is important because obviously the closer they are, the better chance you have to develop the type of relationships that you need. Um, so you know, we're going to have to take advantage of that, and that is that is you know within a six hour, uh, you know, probably a six hour radius of campus, and um, you know we're excited about it. So we've already got a pretty good start on it. You know, we got to kind of keep hammering through, um, and I think that's going to be kind of the nature of you know our program moving forward. Is we got to continue developing like crazy, um, but I also think you know depending on how you know college football continues to evolve, uh, we could be young. You know, we could be young. I also know there was a program a few years ago that lost a bunch of players to uh, to the NFL, had one of the youngest rosters in college football and won a national championship. So, um, you know, again, you know, you'd love to have experience. You'd love to have those veterans on your roster, and we're going to work like crazy to have those guys here. Um, but you also have to embrace the situation you're in and focus on the positives and try to work as hard as you possibly can um, to – 
to eliminate you know some of the some of the negatives and some of the weaknesses. Um, but they're all they're they're there. Everyone has them. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna spend our time focused on the positives and the strengths. James, going back to Coach Parker, um, had you ever interviewed him before? What specifically did he do in the interview that you know for him to crush it? And then, what um, did you see in his time specifically again at Purdue and Duke that kind of you know made him stand out to you? Yeah, I had not interviewed him before. Uh, had not interviewed him before. I, I thought the Purdue experience is is a important experience, and I think it's a it's a unique experience. Um, I think as an assistant coach, everybody kind of sits there and thinks they understand what it's like to be the head coach um, until you're actually sitting in the chair. So having that perspective, having some guys on the staff that have been head coaches before, having some guys on the staff that um, maybe have filled that role in, you know, like like he did as an interim, um, I think it gives them it gives them some pretty good perspective. And and we saw a team that day that played really hard and played with great passion and from what I understand from the people I talked to that's why he got the job is he was very well thought of the players very well liked very respected and that's what they needed at that time um, so you know all the people that I've talked to and all the background checks that I've done that that's that's what's come up on him uh, and then during the interview it's a guy that comes in and has a presence and then has command of the room and then a guy that obviously has the detailed and specific understanding of the fundamentals and the techniques that are going to allow our guys to be successful at the very highest level. Uh, on top of that, you're talking about a guy that's going to be able to build confidence. You know, the fact that he played the position I think helps. It's not, it's not mandatory, but I do think it helps. It really does. Um, um, so I, I think all those things, understanding scheme. You know, understanding scheme and and how and how your position fits into that scheme. You know, I don't know if I mentioned to this to you guys before, but um, you know, we lose Saquon Barkley and we actually rush for more yards per game and and more yards per carry last year, but we dropped significantly in the passing game. Um, we didn't make the plays that we'd been making, um, and we dropped too many balls. Uh, and there's a lot of factors that, that go into that. Not, not one, there's not one um, responsibility or, or answer for that. There's a number of them. Um, so, I, you know, I'm looking at it as a great opportunity. I know he's looking at it as a great opportunity. Um, and you know, we got some talented guys that we're excited to see what they're going to be able to do this spring and going, in, and going, into, the, uh, going into the summer. James, just first, just to clarify real quick, uh, with the 2019 class, are you finished there, or are you still waiting to hear from some uh, recruits out there? And then second, given that you are replacing so much depth, how important is it to have so many guys enroll early and are already here on campus with you? Yeah, I think that's a great point. The second part is, you know, typically we've had about between four and six guys at mid-semester. Um, really, although we've lost, we pretty much have about the same number we have right now typically going into spring ball and, and winter workouts are our total numbers on our roster right now so it's it's pretty similar um the so the 14 mid-semester guys with you know with scholarship and walk-ons uh is helpful there and then you had mentioned what was the first part of your question sir yeah it's 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 hard to say that the 2019 class is 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 finished um you know, there's there's some guys that obviously are still deciding, and then there's you know there's some guys that may show up later in the process. You, you never know, um, but I think obviously I'd say the majority um, a 
of our class is, is pretty much done. Um, but it's hard to ever say, you know, it's, it's completely over because there's, there's going to be guys that, that sign late. James Franklin, not completely over from this show, for sure. We'll continue the press conference that he held back in February on National Letter of Intent Day. As we wrap up our best of week on the Steve Jones Show, Steve back live with us Monday afternoon after 3. Get some headlines from CBS and more from head coach James Franklin coming up. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market should your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over one hundred years. Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstores, ready for all of your warm weather activities. Camping, picnics, grilling, visit Brewers Outlet first. For microbrews, imports, domestic specialties, they got them. Grab some pickles at the Pickle Bar, Steve Jones's favorite place. Snacks, Brewers Outlet has that covered. Soda, sports drinks, check. Weekly specials, too. And there's lots of convenient parking. So get all the refreshments everyone will love for your next outdoor gathering at Brewers Outlet, the beverage super stock superstore, Reagan Street, Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And we're wrapping up our best of week on WKOK. Steve will be back in the Sunbury Motor Studio Monday. Sean Carey here. And our Friday show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, the Beverage Supermarket, Reagan Street, Sunbury, Extra Gold 30 Packs, 1297. That's your beer of the week through Tuesday. Let's go back to February, National Letter of Intent Day, and conversation with the head coach of the Nittany Lions, James Franklin. Uh, James, uh, you, you mentioned how difficult it is to let personnel go, but at the same time, after the Citrus Bowl, you had said about the special teams that wasn't up to your standards you know, all season long. So just curious, what went into the decision to retain Phil Galliano, and how confident are you moving forward that he's the, the right guy for the job in 2019? Um, again, you know, I have tremendous confidence in, in all of our coaches, um, in all of our coaches, uh, based on their experience, based on their background. Um, and for me, I, I don't make decisions just based on one area. It's, it's a body of work. It's, it's how are they with the players. It's how are they, you know, in terms of the staff. It's, it's in terms of development of the individual players. It's in development of the scheme. Um, it's in production on game day. It's in organization in practice. Um, it is the type of uh, role model they are for our players. It is, it's all of it. Um, and, and for me, it always comes down to, you know, is this the right thing to do for our program long term? Um, and is the investment that we're making um, 
are we going to get a return on that investment and and how long are we going to have to wait for that return on on that investment um, so for me the guys that that we have on our staff and the guys that we have in our organization we feel we feel very confident on um, and again you know there there's a lot of there's a lot of different paths and there's a lot of different journeys to get there. Some guys, it's going guys are going to walk in and there's going to be an immediate impact, and some guys, it's it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, and I get that, you know, and I understand that. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a big believer that the men that we come to work with every single every single um, day, um, and that's our players, and that's the coaches, and that's all of them. And um, you know, so that that's that's where we're at at this point. Uh, you're with our staff and with our players. Hi, James. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Tommy Stevens' status, what is it? And he's had a lot of challenges the past year. How has that impacted his development, not only as a player, but then as a leader? He's has more experience in the squad being here than anyone else. Yeah, I'm a huge Tommy Stevens guy. I think Tommy's kind of the opposite of what you see going on in, in college football right now because what we're seeing in college football right now is is probably um, very similar to how the quarterback situation has been playing out really for the last number of years. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, obviously, um, as, as we all know, there was a battle a few years back with, with Trace McSorley, and I stated, you know, to you guys and stated to them that that battle was a lot closer than, than people realize. Um, so, you know, Tommy decided to, to stick it out and stay with Penn State with maybe maybe the greatest social media post of all time with his announcement to stay. Um, and, and it's been awesome. You know, I think the challenge that he had this year is, um, you know, he had an injury. He had a pretty significant injury. Um, and obviously it affected his ability to continue uh, training and developing and, and playing the role that we needed him to play. Um, and, you know, it's kind of led us to, to this point. So uh, we got in a situation where Sean was able to take advantage of those, some of those opportunities that, that Tommy wasn't available for. Um, and, and now Sean has gained a lot of confidence, you know, from that experience as well. But, um, you know, I got so much respect for Tommy. I got so much confidence in Tommy. Uh, it's going to be a tremendous, uh, you know, spring. Uh, it's going to be a tremendous summer. Um, and I got a lot of confidence in the guys that, that we have in, in our quarterback room. I really do. I think Coach Ronnie's done a great job of coaching and developing those guys, and they've taken a lot of pride in it. But I think, I think Tommy Stevens is a, is a really good example that we should all be celebrating um, about a guy who made a decision and, um, and has done a great job academically um, and is, is ready to take the next step in the program. Just to follow up, is would he be listed as your number one quarterback in the spring depth chart? Yeah. So, so obviously, you know, we're not in a situation to name a starter really at any position. Um, but yeah, when when we start out, you know, he'll be. You got to put them in order. Um, so Tommy will be number one, and Sean will be number two, and Levis will be number three, and so on and so forth down the line. Um, but but 
at every position, you know, we have we have an open competition, um, and guys guys will have to battle. And that's even for returning starters. Returning starters have got to go out, and they got to prove that that they deserve, you know, um, to to come back and and be the leader at that position. So that that's across the board, and and we want all our guys to embrace that. We want all our guys to embrace that competition and uh, and have fun with it, and understand it's going to bring out the best in them. It it really and, and truly is. Um, so you know it, it's going to be it's going to be a really good spring. Hey James, hey, I wanted to go back to uh, Joseph Darqua if that's okay. Um, four weeks ago, I think he got his offer. Four weeks isn't a lot of time to recruit anybody when they're across the ocean. I have to imagine that's logistically insane. Did you make the trip across across uh, the Atlantic? And have you done that before? And can you kind of take us inside of that month that convinced him to invest his future in Happy Valley? Yep. Yeah, so we had been recruiting him longer than that, but the offer, you're exactly right. The timing is right. Um, I think our relationship with the coach helped. Um, I think how we communicated with not only the kid but the parents uh, helped. You know, he's an interesting kid because uh, he speaks four languages, which um, is is impressive, you know, especially in our country where we don't embrace that like a lot of other countries do. Um, he speaks, I, I hope I pronounce this right, so he speaks tree, which is, I think, native language of Ghana, which is where his family is originally from. Mom moved to Germany 30 years ago. Um, so he speaks tree, he speaks German, he speaks English, and he speaks a little Dutch is how he explained it to me. Um, so when they came on the visit, came with his brother, who's fluent in English, came with mom, who understands English, but is a little shy and also doesn't, doesn't, isn't comfortable necessarily communicating back. So that was tricky. And then dad was not in Germany at the time. I think he was in Ghana. So then we were trying to go see dad because he was the one guy we hadn't saw, but he was in Ghana, and that's a whole nother type of trip. Um, so we actually never went. We plan on going out this spring, um, but we just couldn't make it work at the end with the other things that we that we had to do. But obviously, the way technology is now with FaceTime and all those things, it, it really helped. Um, but no, we we we'd not been out there. Um, there was Terry. I don't know if you guys know, but like Terry's like the world traveler. So like every off season, he goes on some unbelievable trip with his family. I think last year they went to Africa. Um, yeah, he's been he's been everywhere. I mean, literally, they go on some unbelievable trip. They're going somewhere this summer, this summer too. He was just telling me the other day. So you can imagine Terry was like, "I'll go," you know. But but he wanted to go for like two and a half weeks, you know, uh, and bring his wife and his kids and those types of things. Um, but no, it, you know, it was it it's. I, I can't really say that any part of recruiting him was you you know was your usual you know situation. It's very different. But I do think the way this, if you look at this program, it is growing. Um, I mean, it's amazing how many guys have signed out of this program in the last couple of years. Um, so I could see this becoming more and more of a uh, of an emphasis. I think the only thing I've done is Canada, and the way the NCA rules are, they're tricky. So for example. When we recruited Sutherland, Sutherland was going to, to boarding school in Northern Virginia at Episcopal, if I remember correctly. Well, the way the NCAA rules are, you have to go as the head coach. I only get one day, and I got to do both those visits in the same day. So went to the school, saw him in Virginia, met with his coaches, and then had to fly to, to Canada on the same day to meet with the parents. Um, maybe the best home visit meal I've ever had 
uh, dad's Jamaican, and he made curry chicken, which is one of my favorite things, and sweet plantains. Me and Terry crushed them. Um, and then really had a very similar situation with Daniel Joseph, who was boarding school in Chicago in Canada, but that was an, a little bit of an easier trip, obviously. But but um, I think that's the extent of, of my type of travel that have, I needed a passport for. We have time for two more. James, go, just going back to the wide receivers, obviously a ton of talent and youth in that room, and as a result, this is a crucial year for their development. So with Coach Parker's hire, where do you want to see the most improvement, aside from obviously eliminating drops? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's overall skill development and confidence. You know, uh, I think that position is a really good example of, of, of kind of what we're working through right now is you got really talented guys. You know, you got, you got KJ Hamler who's done some fantastic things. Um, you got Jahan Dotson who kind of came on at the second half of the year and did some really good th things for us. Uh, you got Cam Sullivan Brown. You got Justin Shorter. You got Mac Hippenhammer. You got, uh, you got a bunch of young, exciting guys that that are coming on, and then we got some other guys in the program too um, that we're excited about. So you know it's going to be interesting. And then you know the the two freshmen coming in, as well as some of the walk-ons being able to earn some opportunities. Um, you know I think I think Lutz is an interesting guy. I think Chasin is an interesting guy. Chasin is a guy that we recruited. Um, in some ways, that he went his senior year, he ends up winning the state hundred meter, and then all of a sudden the track program steals us, steals him from us. Um, just kidding. Um, but uh, goes and runs track for a couple of years, and then comes back to us. Um, big guy who can flat out run four three guys. So um, so there's some interesting storylines there, um, and I know I know uh, you know coach is interested in working with those guys. I think you also know you guys have heard me talk about kind of the further away from the ball you are, the easier it is to get on the field earlier. So you know a bunch of those young guys are going to have a tremendous opportunity to to step up and. And makes makes some you know makes some significant moves. Daniel George was obviously the other guy. All he does is catch. Uh, all he does is catch. You know, Beaver Stadium record touchdowns. The lo longest touchdown Beaver Stadium, 97 yards. So um, there there's some there's some talented guys there that that we're excited about. And obviously we got you know we feel really good about the tight end position and you know, offensive line and our quarterbacks and defensively. So you know it's going to be uh it, we're going to be young. Uh, but we're going to be talented, and it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be really competitive. Last question to Greg. James, you mentioned Tommy Stevens as being an example of a guy that maybe goes away from that trend that you're seeing in college football. Lamont Wade would seem to fall into that category as well. What were those conversations like when he wanted to maybe look around and then came, obviously, announced that he was going to stay at Penn State? And just how delicate is that time when a guy's looking around, but, you know, some obviously say right away they want to go and grad transfer or whatever, and then some in this case, you know, obviously maybe look around and come back? Yeah, I think that's where this thing was tricky. Um, the funny thing is Tommy Stevens is really the original transfer portal. Um, but to me, he did it the way it, it should have always been done and I think could still be being done right now. He came and talked to me, you know, had some concerns, wants to start, was graduating, had two years left of eligibility, and we kind of said, well, let, let's kind of talk this through together and what are your objectives and, and all these types of things. and. You know, we were able to come up with an understanding between the two of us you know, and his family and his high school coach that, hey, look around, and if you find something that makes sense for you, um, then w there's nobody that's going to be more supportive of you than us. 
uh, and he looked around and didn't find that and said, I'm staying, and, and kind of went you know, from there. So I think it's a, a really good example. I think where my issue with all of this is when we put rules in, new rules, we overcorrect. So we go from one extreme to the other extreme. So I, I think obviously part of the reason we got to this situation is you had a small number of coaches that were abusing the ability to block kids from transferring to schools. So we went from coaches could block you anywhere to now no blocking, just just free agency. And and to me there could have been there could have been a, a model that made sense. It could have been the NCA come out and say. You can't go to any school that's on the schedule, but you can go anywhere else. Or the school can block five schools, and that's it. Um, but we went from one extreme where the coach could block anything to the other extreme where you can't block any. And I think that's the problem that I see with the NCAA and the member institutions sometimes is we overcorrect. You know, I think we saw that at Penn State. We, we overcorrected some things. Um, so I think that that's a challenge. You know that that's a challenge. And to me, there 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 was a model that could have been a sweet spot in between the two of these, that we're not in a situation we are right now. If that makes sense, Lamont. Um, you know, Lamont was a little bit like that. Lamont came and talked, but now the challenge is you go into the transfer portal, it becomes public. Tommy's situation never really became public. Um, you know, Lamont's situation becomes public. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of noise. The good thing is, back to the recruiting process, had a really strong relationship with mom and dad. Um, Lamont's a year away from graduating. This doesn't make sense. You know, this doesn't make sense. So kind of be able to talk it through. He's able to look around. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, and to Lamont's credit, you know, he's, he's frustrated. He wants to play more. He wants to have a big impact. And, and we want that for him, too. So it's, it's, it's talking through all these things. Um, and to me, that's what it really should be about. It shouldn't be about the NCA coming in and telling you how to do things and overcorrect. It should be the, the head football coach, the AD, the parents, the kid, all sitting down and saying, look, let, let's do what's right. Let's do what's right for, for, for Lamont. Let's do what's right for Penn State. Let's do right, what's right for college football and come up with some solutions. So that's kind of how that played out, you know. Um, but it's, it's a tricky deal. It is a tricky deal. It's a tricky conversation, um, and I, you know, I, I have some concerns right now, you know, about about where this is all heading, and does it get to the point where you can't really make anybody happy because one group wants this and the other group wants something else, and does this model just blow up at some point? Um, and I just I just believe that college athletics and specifically the game of football has done so much good um, for, for young people, for families, for me, uh, for guys that I've been able to coach, for the coaches that I've been with. I, I, I would hope that coaches and ADs and presidents would all kind of sit down in a room and come up with these questions and decisions and answers together because I think what happens now is you got presidents that look at things from one perspective you got ad's that look at things from another perspective you got coaches that look at things from a, a different perspective and then you got the student athletes 
And the reality is you got to get everybody in a room at the same time, same time and talk through some of these things and come up with a compromise. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But I think you guys have heard me say this before, that this doesn't just impact football. It impacts the entire college model. And, and in a lot of ways, whether we want to admit it or not, football, in a lot of cases, allows the whole college model to work, specifically you know, at, at places like Penn State. Um, and then you have the differences of some conferences that average 16 or 17 collegiate sports. And you got other conferences that average about 30 collegiate sports, and they're very different models, you know. So it's uh, it's an interesting time. But again, our focus is we're going to embrace it, we're going to evolve, we're going to grow. It looks different to our fans. It looks different to our lettermen and to the media. It looks different to me. It looks different to me. But we're going to embrace it. We're going to grow, and uh, we're going to keep loving these kids. And uh, we're going to keep helping them grow and develop as students and as, as players and as people. Um, and we're going to find a way to run out there in Beaver Stadium and play an exciting brand of football and work very hard at making everybody proud.